Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger. (laughs) (laughs) What do you want? (laughs) I want you to know that I actually do spend like some time some brain time thinking, all right, what's the intro going to be to this episode if the guys have nothing? And then I would say probably half the time I have that and I look over at you and you have like your toque on inside out and I ask you what's wrong or like standing on your head like it's a chef's hat. I'm like, what's wrong? You're like, my ears are hot, but my hair is messed up. <laughs> I'll just wear like this this episode. There. And you got this bright. Sorry, I'm just trying to bring viewers to YouTube. <laughs> Uh, my apologies the world's most vibrant colors are apparently saved for golf apparel uh this is what i put on at 7 30 this morning and i just didn't oh, care that's actually better than your previous episode where you were wearing like three day old clothes or whatever oh, i paint on my clothes. yeah <laughs> drywall dust <laughs> good times ladies and gentlemen evan lobsinger the highest earner on the winged wheel podcast <laughs> and i would wager by a good margin i actually don't want to know what you make i'm not telling you <laughs> Unfortunately, you all have to listen to the lowly peons uh, that are myself and Brad. Uh, welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Um, here to talk to you about things other than the ever going or the ongoing mystery of Evan Lobsinger, the person. I'm one of your hosts, Ryan Hanna. I'm a poorsman, Brad Crisco. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm Evan. <laughs> uh, on this episode of the Winged Wheel Podcast, it's like a. It's like the assorted candy jar that Evan raids before we start recording each episode that I have in my house. A lot of different news. The Red Wings played a altogether underwhelming game against the LA Kings, which there are a couple storylines out of there. Uh, Pat Verbeek has left the Detroit Red Wings to go be GM of the Anaheim Ducks. Um, there's some kind of related all-star game uh, as we head into the all-star break uh, news, especially relevant to the Red Wings. We are finally as Evan has been clamoring for for a long time, going to be talking about the prospect profiles. 2022 draft. Wow, February 3rd. Yeah. That might be a record. It is, but I'll say this. I think we delayed. I think we could have started it earlier and it would have been justified. Yeah, but uh, no negativity, only vibes. And then there's... um, a Chicago Blackhawks owner with the last name. Chicago Blackhawks embarrassed themselves again. <laughs> and that was even before the Shirelli rumor came out. Which, <laughs> don't threaten me with a good time, NHL. Forget the Coyotes, move the Blackhawks. <laughs> a uh, NHL owner, a Blackhawks owner with the last name Wurtz that isn't Dollar Dollar Bill is in the news for all the wrong reasons. Mixed bag episode. We'll see how it goes. Uh, before we get into that, the Jamie Daniels Foundation. Uh, we're really, really proud to support them. And one way we do so is through the Wings Money on the Board campaign that we started in uh, partnership with our good friend Prashanth Iyer. So if you want to know more about that, how you can uh, support the Jamie Daniels Foundation, which was founded by Ken Daniels and Lisa Daniels Goldman, um, through watching the Red Wings, making pledges, good, bad, negative, big, small, whatever you want to do. Uh, go to wingedwheelpodcast.com slash blog and click on the post about Wings Money on the Board. And of course, visit jamiedanielsfoundation.org if you want to learn more about what they do, their mission, and how you can support them. Okay, the Detroit Red Wings. You know what? Actually, as I edit episodes, 
I, I try to find the different points for uh, when the topic switches because I put it in the description. And without fail, every time I can find it because I go, all right, or okay. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I hate that. I hate that. I have to try to change I it. I do that at work all the time. Yeah. All the time. When so- when there's all of a sudden dead air, I'm like, all right. Uh. <laughs> You're one of those? Uh, yeah. I feel like Evan uses the phrase, as per my last email, a lot. No, actually, because I, I never feel, I feel like I never know what's going on at work. <laughs> Aren't you in charge of things there? Yeah, but I get way <laughs> too in the weeds and the people who really know the technical stuff. I'm just like, why did I do this? And now I don't understand anything. Yeah, anyway, carry on. All right. Uh, the Red Wings played a game against the LA Kings. Um, tell me if you've heard this one before. The LA Kings had dominated them in terms of shots and on ice play and won the game. Red Wings at least scored this time. The Red Wings did at least score this time. And you know what? It wasn't a travesty that the, that one game was. That was one of the worst games of the year. That's where, like, at one point they were projected to have, like, 80 shots against or something like that. They still did have, what was it, 45 shots against, which is not good. I will say, if you like your goalie and you care about them as people emotionally and physically, do not do not let 45 shots on goal on them. Credit to Ned, man. 40 saves. On 43 shots, two two of the LA shots were on empty nets. Well, it's only fair because they gave him the night off on Monday. If you ever wanted the poster for how the Red Wings are consistently inconsistent, it's having two games in three days and giving up 15 shots and then 45 shots. Right. I actually forgot about the game on Monday, it, too. Yeah, everybody did. The Red Wings won, which is great, but it was not a memorable game. Yeah, it was uh, the OT winner, won by none other than Jordan Osterley. At one point that game that I was thinking, hmm, Brad's asleep. This is a snooze fest. Like Brad is definitely out cold for this one. <laughs> we'll uh, we'll talk about. Let's actually talk about that game first. Sorry, we'll jump back to the LA game. So, I mean, Gustav Lindstrom power bombing um, steel into the end boards. Oh yeah, he killed him. That was those ones hurt a lot. I yeah. felt that one at home before I actually saw it on video. That's one of those ones you can't even brace for it as the player getting hit. And yeah, it's the worst. Gustav Lindstrom, I'm not saying should be talked about more because I don't want to you know, build him up to be something he's not. But Gustav Lindstrom has done exactly what we had hoped he would do when we first saw him kind of crack the Red Wings lineup as the sixth, seventh defenseman a little while ago. He has been solid. He has been very, very solid. I think... Not every Red Wings player needs to have like all guns firing, shoot pucks at the net, only offense. And for a defensive core that is, you know, lacking defense quite a bit, I really appreciate Gustav Lindstrom's game. I liked what I've seen from Lindstrom this year, but I feel like we've had this exact conversation about 37 different defensemen. Is this and- Alexi Marchenko conversation? <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah, which, which iteration is this? No, I don't think that's fair. Because it's, to Gustav Lindstrom, it's absolutely not fair. But I've been hurt before. <laughs> I think, I think it's easy to pick polarizing examples, but Gustav Lindstrom is a good example of a run of the mill. Hey, this guy is young and could be a good part of your depth. Don't build him up to be something he's not, but a solid piece who I think is very fair as a a good third pairing guy and hey in in a spot of injury and if he plays with the right defensive pairing number four man a guy on the second pair for a little while don't stick him on the power play or anything 
He's rock solid back there. Oh, I too am a big fan of Xavier Willett. I mean, Gustav. No, they're not the same players, though. I'm not saying they're the same players, but God damn, does this conversation feel very familiar. Brad, every conversation feels familiar. You talk on a hockey podcast twice a week. We've recycled four to six pairing defensemen for seven years. And I'm saying- It's been seven years, Ryan. (laughs) And I'm saying he might be the guy who isn't so easily recycled and out the door. He could be a mainstay. And someone reliable for a little while here. He absolutely looks like he could be. He's been good this year. Uh, both of you are getting coal for Christmas. I hope so. That's a cheap uh, fuel source. Listen, I have nothing bad to say about Gustav Lindstrom. Love his season. Love his puck movement. Love his defensive awareness. Yeah. The, f- the physicality was surprising. This is great. We're going to move on. <laughs> that is a Dina Talarkin play. That did two things for me. One is like, I get that Zadina's had a rough year and it's it's not all been bad luck. A lot of it's been on him. But man, is it easy to break out of funks when you can just give a puck to Dylan Larkin and he does that, you know? It was a big moment for the just put Zadina on the top line <laughs> crowd. crowd. Yeah. They, uh, he got it for 15 seconds and got a primary assist. Yeah. And it, I mean, it was a nice pass. It was yeah. a good read. He saw Larkin streaking up the ice. Let's not take away from the fact that Larkin used his world-class speed and a gorgeous backhand finish that was smooth like that was a quick like larkin is near automatic on breakaways now yeah and that was against a world-class goaltender too i had to die laughing because obviously we've seen that very simple yet very well timed and executed pass from philip zadina to hey all you need to do is hit one of the fastest players in the world at the right time in the neutral zone and let him do the rest. Mm-hmm. And then someone sends us a video this morning on Twitter of Danny DeKaiser looking off Dylan Larkin in the exact same situation to put it over to Hronik just to get it back and fire it off the glass. <laughs> I haven't seen the clip, but I can picture exactly what yeah, you're saying. So it happens like, 10 times a game. So you, we say it's a simple play, and it is, but that doesn't make it automatic. <laughs> so the fact that Dina recognized it and hit it, is definitely a victory. A uh, big theme of that game between Anaheim and Detroit was, hey, here are your three most likely Calder can- candidates. If you want to count Anton Lundell, three of four, um, playing in one game with Cider Raymond and Trevor Zegris. And there was actually a moment between Zegris and Cider where there was a puck kind of uh, that Zegris had to reach for and him and Cider both went for it at the same time. And I think this was a this shows how skilled Zegris is because Sider committed to the puck, which as a defenseman, it's not like you always, always, always take the body if you think you can break up a play uh, by taking the puck that uh, the, the forward doesn't have control of. You do it or you try, but Zegris just pulled it around Sider so quickly. I was like, ooh, and then Sider swung around, used his long stick and actually uh, broke up the play. So just caught him, but that was a, a cool little one-on-one moment there. Yep, uh, and Zegers' team had 15 shots on net. Uh, Most Sider's team got the win, so there's the tiebreaker. Z- Most Sider is your Calder winner. Thank <laughs> you. I will hear no further arguments. Zegers held to zero shots that game. Uh, Terry was held to about one or two, I think. So it was, it was a good effort from Detroit, like it you said. Their best defensive effort of the season. Yeah. Um, there was that heronic goal that was waved off. I have no idea what a kicking motion is. I think the NHL has moved towards goaltender interference where they just don't know what their own rules are. Like I've seen way more f- 
flagrant kicks count as redirections. And Hronik seemed like it was a redirection and it bounced off his other ankle and went in. I really thought that one would go in. Ken was actually so firm with Mick and like Mick was saying, oh, I don't know. They might call us back. And Ken was like, no, that's a goal. That's a goal by every way they've called it. And then they come out and take it back. I was shocked. Any slightest bit of foot movement and it gets waved out. And Hronik's foot wasn't completely stationary. So I I wasn't surprised is the right word. It's one of those ones for me, it's more, I hate the rule, the way the rules written more so than the way it was called. Yeah. yeah. Cause I'm, I'm a believer. If your skate blade doesn't leave the ice, therefore it's not a danger to anybody in the crease or around you. It should count, but it's not the way his rules written. So the fact that his foot just did that ever so slight little flick, not much. I'm not. Barely in real time, not noticeable at all. But the way the rule's written, that's the rule. That's like me with offside. That's what Brad is right now about the uh, about kicking. Yeah, and when I argue, what do I always say? Oh, I hate the rule, not the way it's enforced. I don't listen when you say anything. That's fair. It does not register to memory. Game went to OT. Jordan Osterley rips it home past one of the best goaltenders in the NHL. I think, A, like it's awesome to see a guy who doesn't score a lot get uh, a winner in such a big moment like that wasn't that his first goal as a red wing first goal as a red wing first goal in a ton of games like in a long long time um but how happy the team was oh yeah raymond was like literally jumped in the air more at cider jumped the whole team was so thrilled for him and that game put detroit at 20 wins which in 46 games and last season 19 wins in 56 games total so they have already passed last season's win total it was a big night for us really it was the second primary point of the night Shut up. <laughs> that was good redemption because he's... Oh, yeah. He was not playing the next game if uh, he did not score that goal. He hasn't looked... You're going to get a lot of exposure. I mean, we we rip on Danny DeKaiser a lot. Any player who's not a top pairing player is going to be exposed in one way or another playing on that top line of cider. Um, and he had that even against the LA game, which we'll jump to here. He's uh, There was a moment where he got caught looking, turn around... Like I say, like I said before, when you get lost as a defenseman, if you're a step behind, your whole shift is ruined, and you were going to look like a big dumb dummy out there. And yeah, and uh, don't make passes through the middle of the ice in your own zone. No, no, don't do that. Not recommended. Nick Letty can attest. So uh, the Red Wings against LA, like we mentioned, is a game that LA largely dominated. It looked for a second that Detroit might have something because the Zadina Ernie Rasmussen line had a great shift. It started with a big Zadina defensive play in his own zone, turned around. The uh, puck went down the ice. There's a shot on goal and Ras- by Zadina, and Rasmussen was there to bury it. And Rasmussen had a couple other moments in the off- offensive zone in the game where I was like, oh, man, Rasmussen, this is great. He almost looked surprised that the puck was still on his stick after attempting a dangle. Yeah, he had, like I said, he has no playmaking, but he can make things happen because he's got good puck skills. Like he had even, I think it was the shift or two before his goal, he had one where he circled the offensive zone and did kind of from the top of the circle, the Austin Matthews like curl and release through the defenseman and it almost caught quick off guard and it like hit him just barely caught his left shoulder. I'm like, oh, that's new. Yeah. Do that more. And then, yeah, it got rewarded a couple shifts later. But hey, don't look now. Point streak for Zadina. So three, three in his last four, two in a row. Three in his last four. And that's important for confidence. Like it's not a lot, but it's good for oh, confidence. Yeah. Uh, Tyler Bertuzzi had one of his classic tip-ins and, uh, but I still think the story of the night was the two fights, Fabry against Dursey, where Fabry could have thrown one of the best right hands 
that the team has seen all year, but obviously not a fighter. So there wasn't a lot of power behind it, but also probably for the best because you don't want him to hurt his hands. They're important for the team. Yep. Don't want to kill the opponent. Yeah. Which, speaking of which, Jamel Smith, who made his uh, debut for the Red Wings without Giovanni, we haven't seen the brothers yet, but Jamel made his debut. And what does he do besides um, assisting on a goal? He fights Brendan Lemieux and didn't even get bit. So good for him. <laughs> he escaped harm. Uh, they called it out on the broadcast. Like he did it right in front of the bench. He went after Lemieux. Oh, yeah. He was, it was a statement. Yeah. Everybody hates Brendan Lemieux. So he's the easiest target for when you want to, you know, I don't know if that's your, the initiation to your new team, but uh, whatever you want to call it, his welcome to Detroit moment. If you want to endear yourself to Red Wings fans, punch a Lemieux at Joe Louis Arena. At home. They'll love it. Yeah. Or do it on the road too, but at home brings a certain energy. Yeah. If your only opportunity is on the road, you take it, but yeah. In front of the very sparse home crowd as everybody was snowed in. Yeah. It was um it was a funny game, right? Like I think this was firmly in LA's hand the entire time. It was funny. I wasn't having fun. Were you having fun? I don't know, man. I'm broken. <laughs> I can have fun with anything. There were fun moments. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like it looked like it was in Elliot's hand the entire time, and like Bertuzzi's tip brought it back into play, and then they, you know, scored an empty net goal, and Valeno uh, finally fired home a goal after 18 games without, you know, pulled the string, or, or I think they called it a yo-yo on the broadcast, which was right, and that brought it back within play. They scored an empty net goal again, and LA ended up winning five three. But still, improvement from the last LA game. <laughs> <laughs> If that's how it works. We could have put you out there and that would have been an improvement from the last LA game. That is true. Yeah. Of all the things we mentioned, it's it's most notable. That game would not have been remotely as close without Alex Nedeljkovic. Plain and simple. He hasn't had the best of months, but he's he's looked he looked good that night. You know how in the NFL, at the end of the season, a quarterback will buy his entire offensive line like Rolexes or something as a thank you for saving his ass? Yeah. I don't think Nadelkovich is doing that for the defense. No, I think the defense should buy him an entire O-line's worth of Rolexes. Yeah, (laughs) legitimately. (laughs) Just like the inverse. Um, announced in the, so that's, that's the game review. The Red Wings are now on a break, uh, while the all-star game happens this weekend and their next game back is, uh, Wednesday, February 9th against Philly. So our next episode Sunday, and then we're going to be doing another Thursday midweek, uh, after that. Ovi, Ovi missing the all-star game. I mean, if it's a, like a, a real or not positive test, I'm sure he's happy that he doesn't have to go. He's, he's typically, he's, he's paid his dues. He's made the all-star game fun plenty of times. Let the guy get his rest so he can continue his goal for Gretzky's record. Hey, and he was giving the fans what they wanted, which was Tom Wilson at the all-star game. Yes, but unironically. <laughs> only if he fights people during the actual game that's what he should do he just stands at the center ice they throw the lights down put a little fog on the ice and whoever wants to fight him comes out from the dressing room and he just has a, a it's only out. a three-hour broadcast evan it's not feasible <laughs> i'm just him and ryan reeves fight at center ice i think him and panarin <laughs> i oh god <laughs> i'll put it on record now that if tom wilson runs around the entire all-star game trying to hit people he will move into my top five favorite players in the nhl if if he's the one who makes the all-star game watchable eternal respect him and brad marchand are trying to go for the biggest heel in the nhl right now i would respect it just do it without being too shitty like don't do anything like bad for humanity maybe don't hit ever, anybody in the head but yeah yeah every every good sport has a heel but just 
not to Healy. Uh, Larkin is going to be repri- or shooting to defend his title of fastest player. Um, he's going to be in he the fastest. He has to go against Timo Meyer, right? <sighs> Timo Meyer, man. Fastest player in the NHL? Best player in the NHL, right? And the fastest. According to ESPN. Wait, what was it, the stat? He got clocked as a... The highest top speed this year. It's funny because Timo Meyer is having a phenomenal year and he's a phenomenal player. But just because of that one thing that's said on the broadcast, where they're like, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's become a meme. But he's a really good player. It's true. But now we have to joke about Timo Meyer, the best overall player in the NHL. Is that what they said? He's going to win. The best all-around player in the yeah. NHL. Well, uh, I'm happy that Larkin gets to compete and remind people that he does currently hold the fastest uh, time in, a, in all-star game history. Um, but we'll see what happens this weekend. Uh, in addition to that, I thought it was really funny that they have that new competition where the players are going to be shooting at um, cards to try and make blackjack because it's in Vegas. It's a whole casino thing. And I think that's cool as hell. I think that's awesome. But as multiple people. Multi- Why are they doing that? Because it's in Vegas. No, I mean, like, is do, do they win something? Like, what what the hell's the point? Depends what how much they bet on it. <laughs> What's the point of any of the All-Star game, man? I actually don't know. Who's shooting for the dealer? This is. This yeah. This, this is this is this getting is the too... worst game of blackjack. Ever. So do they win? Do they win anything? I don't know, man. Are they allowed to double if they get an eleven first? Or do they split? I'm gonna murder both of you. What if? Yeah, yeah. What if he? What if Buddy shoots two eights? I'm not shooting unless I'm allowed to split them after that. Did you plan this? No. <laughs> but I need answers. I, I actually want answers. Does what the blackjack? What the, what the hell is the point of this thing? Other than if someone actually shoots a blackjack, do they get paid out the six to five, or does it just count as one win? Brad is a degenerate, by the way. <laughs> yeah, he really is. I don't gamble this that is, much, but I do enjoy it. This is from Greg Wyshynski. The player who wins two rounds is crowned Puck Shark. Oh, my God. You're, this is the most NHL event of all time. What do you want them is to that, win? Is that just a Wyshynski joke, or is that what the NHL is officially crowning this player? I can't tell. I can't tell what's real and what's not anymore. The fact that I... Don't immediately know the answer pisses me off because that is ridiculous. <laughs> Reluctantly, after some awkward editing that I'm sure you just listened to, we're back <laughs> at the Windwheel Podcast. I'm not talking about the All Star Game anymore. You're both cut off. <laughs> this is a professional podcast for sure. You're both cut off. Uh, Anyways, back to the point you would like to make about the naming. No, no, I'm the team I'm, name. I'm done. Oh, right. Yes. Oh. So <laughs> no, I'm done. Right. Yeah, that point I've wanted to make all day. The NHL. <laughs> uh, didn't let the Las or didn't let you know the Vegas expansion team when they're picking a name uh, use the Las Vegas Aces because they didn't want something associated with gambling. Um, but it also it would have been cool because it's obviously associated with Vegas and fully wanted a military connection and there is ostensibly one some kind of connection with the Air Force there. It would have been awesome. It would have been a better name than the Golden Knights. The only good thing to come out of the Golden Knights name is the jerseys, which are admitted. They, if their jerseys sucked, everyone would hate them. Oh, it would be yeah. terrible. The Washington Commanders. That, it's a choice. It's it's a choice. It is. It just barely meets the sufficient requirements for a choice. It doesn't even have a real logo. Anyways, um, but instead we got... Uh, hey, it's the only W they're going to see. Most Sundays. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How long were you sitting on that one? It literally just came. Um, we have the Golden Knights now, and the NHL is shooting for blackjack at the All Star Game. It's like I think that's a sweet skills competition thing. I think that's fun. And you I- get crowned Puck Shark. <laughs> that's the the next stupidest thing to whatever they did last year. Why do you want them to win stuff? They're millionaires already. 
What do you want? Because to- then they might care and not be so shit faced when they do the event. Anyhow, Pat Verbeek, Red Wings assistant general manager, up until today, he's leaving. Got hired uh, for the Anaheim job uh, after Murray left. So uh, that search is over. They've hired Pat Verbeek, the little ball of hate, as he's well known as in Detroit. Um, followed Eisenman for basically Eisenman's entire professional tenure as an executive in the NHL. So went from Detroit uh, to Tampa Bay with him. And when Tampa Bay, uh, when he left Tampa Bay, came back with him to Detroit. So um, functionally, the Red Wings lose an assistant general manager and the Grand Rapids Rif- Griffins lose uh, a GM because that was Rubik's role that he took on summer of last year. I think it was made official. So uh, yeah, you know, the Lidstrom hiring probably, I don't want to say is directly related to it. Um, I don't think Lidstrom's roles are going to be that of an AGM, but in terms of Eisman stocking up the brain trust and building out, you know, the executive team, Lidstrom's probably just the beginning and we're going to see a little bit more now that Verbeek's on the go. Because he played, Eisman only ever had great things to say with him and to bring him to a new team twice, it goes to show how much he trusted him. You know when good people are leaving. Yeah. It's pretty obvious. It's actually a sign of a good organization, right? Like, look at the brain drain from uh, Bill Belichick in the NFL over the years. and I cannot relate to that, but okay. Or the brain drain from the Red Wings in their dominant era. Oh, okay. The late 90s, early 2000s, before everything happened, Mike Babcock let him, a lot of people, anything remotely associated with Mike Babcock. He was also considered brain drain at the time, right? Yeah. Yeah, he was. Because he got poached, basically. He got poached, yeah. But it's... It's a sign of a good organization. Good people get hired and they move up and that's it means you're doing something right. So you just have to trust that they're not paying them enough. Well, you're never gonna pay an AGM what a GM could get paid. Right? Yeah, I would think so. So it makes sense that he left. So we're gonna see what's on the docket next for Detroit. My god, that's Chris Draper's music. He's already an AGM. More prominent one now. He's gonna get the Griffins. You think so? Principal I don't know. I literally general don't know. manager. Principal executive assistant general manager. No. Uh Drapes is heading amateur scouting. So it would make sense to have a Grand Rapids connection there then. That's probably too much work. Yeah. They could always split like redistribute the duties. The important thing to note is that there's no hard lines on how many AGMs you have to have, who's got to do what. Someone does have to to manage the Griffins. Someone has to pay their salary too. You don't have all the 50 people making, do yeah. the same job, making the same decisions. Yeah, that's exactly right. What? We never really get an insight into that. That's like the back end of hockey. I'll let you know when I get the job. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Throw please. my name in there. Bullshit. <laughs> you're taking that pay cut. <laughs> Not to move to America. That's why he was so concerned about, um, uh, about you know, paying Verbeek like a GM rather than, than an agent. <laughs> He's like, whoa, wait, what? They make how little? Uh, anyhow. That's what's up next for the Red Wings. We'll see how that goes. Um, best of luck to Verbeek with the Ducks. Hey, you want to trade us some stuff? We'll take one Hampus, Hampus Lindholm. Yeah. I, I Actually, mean, you know what? Don't trade him. Just don't sign him, please. The joke from everyone was like, all right, send us Trevor Zegers for cheap. Oh, no, but realistically, though, let us have Lindholm. Just don't sign him. Yeah, that'd be fantastic. 
We'll see what happens. Before we get into our next topic here, I do want to tell everyone that this episode of the Winged Wheel podcast is proudly brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook, a sponsor that finally gives us hockey fans what we really want, even more excitement in the game. There's so many reasons why FanDuel is America's number one sportsbook. Uh, They're easy to use from registrations to, to deposits and finding your perfect bet. Their withdrawals are quick and easy. FanDuel pays your winnings back in as little as 24 hours, and they're constantly running odds boosts and specials every day with some big super boosts each weekend. Now listen to this. FanDuel is letting you place your first bet risk-free up to $1,000. Just place a bet on any game and FanDuel will refund you up to $1,000 back in site credit if you don't win that bet. No strings attached. If you win, you keep the cash. If you lose, you'll get that one grand back in site credit. We want you to download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started with a risk-free bet of up to $1,000 and be sure to sign up with promo code WWP so they know the Winged Wheel podcast sent you. That's FanDuel Sportsbook promo code WWP. You must be 21 and older and present in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, West Virginia, Indiana, Colorado, Colorado, Iowa, Tennessee, Virginia, or Michigan. First online real money wager only. Site, site credit is non-withdrawable and expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See sportsbook.fanduel.com for details. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, and Virginia, Tennessee Redline 1-800-889-9789, 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia, or call 1-800-270-7117 in Michigan. It's time. Prospect profiles. I think the Kings broke us. Oh yeah, (laughs) they did it once, and we're like, "All right, Kings, if you wallop us just one more time, we're gonna do prospect profiles." And they're like, "All right, bet." Speaking of the Kings, (laughs) did you see someone in our Discord mention Los Kings? There's an actual jersey. Yeah, there is. We were laughing about it, but that's a real thing that they did. I knew that. Did you? No. Yeah, no. you (laughs) You absolutely did not. Although I do appreciate that we were all stupid enough to laugh at that moment. Yeah, it was really bad. Yeah. I had a good laugh. <laughs> um, so for those of you who are new to the show, first of all, if this is your first episode, dear God, am I sorry. <laughs> Secondly, one thing that we've done pretty much since the inception of the show because of who the Red Wings have been as a team is dedicate a large amount of airtime to scouting next NHL drafts prospects. Uh, our prospect profiles are something that we try to do every episode leading up to the draft where we cover one or two guys, uh, typically just one, um, especially those that may likely be relevant to the Detroit Red Wings. So what we're starting there, what we've tried to do is kick off with the marquee. This is the warm up one. Get our brains back into the swing of it. The biggest name is also the easiest one to do. And we, we picked that marquee prospect to cover. Uh, and so today's prospect profile is none other than Rutger Mc... No, I'm kidding. Uh, Shane Wright. Who did we start with last year? Was it Owen Power? No. Yes, it was. was it? It was Owen Power the year before his Lafreniere. Yeah. Yeah, we've done huh. it. Yep. And they've all ended up as Red Wings, just like we hoped. Just like we hoped. Uh, and so we're inevitably cursing Detroit to not even come close to first overall. At least this year, the pain will be less because we already understand there's no chance. Speaking of no chance, let's talk about, let's talk about it. Shane Wright... Who is he as a player? What's his year or last couple of years been like? And where would he fit in on the Red Wings? Completely average middle six center. At I best. No. <laughs> loathe you. <laughs> you are maxed out this episode. Thank you. Um, Shane Wright. So he is not your prototypical number one overall pick. Um, in the sense that when you watch him, he's not going to blow you away. And I'm noticing that as this season goes on, 
and a lot of people actually start watching him because, you know, most people have heard the name for the last couple of years, but he lost an entire season due to the pandemic. The season before that, he had a very strong season as a 15-year-old, but again, not that anybody other than a lot of the diehards were really actually watching him, even though they were aware of him. Now that it's his draft year, everybody in the hockey world has their eyes on him. Now that the Kingston Frontenacs are actually playing hockey this year, everybody has their eyes on him. Now that there was the two games in the World Juniors, people were watching. And unsurprising to some, his draft stock is has fallen a bit. He's still the unanimous number one overall pick, but that gap between him and number two has shrunk. Even though, in my opinion, it shouldn't have. Because Shane Wright's that unique prospect in the sense that from a skating, puck handling, you know, fancy trick shot type guy, he's not anything special. He's probably going to be an all right skater in the NHL. His puck skills are probably going to be good relative to the rest of the NHL, but not anything spectacular. He does have a really wicked shot. Um, but you know, a lot of guys can really shoot the puck. Now he just tends to do it with more accuracy than others um, and can shoot from a lot of different angles, which is obviously a huge asset with how fast the NHL is. But what separates him is his brain. If if you are unspectacular as a skilled player, there's got to be something that separates you. And for Shane Wright, that's his ability to process the play and understand what's going on at all times and having enough skill to make it happen when it does. He's also um, a hell of a competitor. This is He's one of those guys like a Dylan Larkin. He'll run through a wall to win a game if he has to. Not that their skill or playing styles are similar, but if, if you, you're struggling to understand what I'm talking about, think of Sidney Crosby. Not that Shane Wright is Sidney Crosby. But <laughs> is Sidney Crosby uh, an elite skater? No, not really. Is his shot anything special? I will contest you. I think Crosby is. He's really strong on his skates. It's hard to knock off the puck. And he, his his edge work is phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. But again, it's it's not a, a skill that when you're watching him, you're going to go, oh my God, that just pops out every time he's on the ice, right? Like Connor McDavid's skating does, or hell, even Trevor Zegers' puck Timo Meyer skating ability. Listen, Shane Wright's no Timo Meyer. Settle down. <laughs> but... <laughs> But it's, you know, you can break down Crosby's game and and nothing pops about his skill set, but he's just pretty good at everything, but he just processes the game at a different level. That's Shane Wright to a lesser extent. So how well will that translate to the next level? Well, that's a million dollar question. If if everybody knew that with every prospect, there'd be no sense in even having a draft. You could just distribute them in order. Um but no, so that that's what makes Shane Wright special. He had that goal against Oshawa a couple weeks ago where the puck was just going behind the net, but he yeah. saw the goalie was drawn out of the net. He had already kind of overskated the puck to really make a wraparound, so he just said, screw it, knock the puck between his legs off the goalie's leg and into the net. There's nobody else in junior is even thinking about that play. They they are not re- they might recognize that the goalie's out of position, but they're probably going to try and take the extra second to corral the puck and maybe turn it into a wraparound or something. Wright knew where the puck was, what his options were, and where the goalie was, and he scored a ridiculous goal out of it. My favorite part about Shane Wright's season is as soon as those, hey, maybe he's not the number one overall guy, conversations started happening because he had a pretty unspectacular start. He's just like, hmm, nah. And he's been on an absolute heater ever since. 
<laughs> Since the Lafreniere draft and how sorry Lafreniere and and how Lafreniere has developed, I didn't think Lafreniere was going to come into the NHL and be an immediate you know all star. I thought Byfield probably was more NHL ready. Um, I was pretty surprised by how quickly Tim Stutzler took to the NHL, but still, I, I didn't think Lafreniere would be there year one. But I thought he'd be there by now, and it has me questioning a lot. I don't know. I I don't know enough about his game and enough about what New York is doing because it it reads funny to me that both Kako and Lafreniere are maybe a little bit underwhelming. Um, but it's caused a lot of distrust. So at that time where the Shane Wright stuff started to come out, I was like, everything I watch about Shane Wright and knowing all the context of his development and you know not playing hockey for such a long period of time. It makes me think that this is all just kind of unfounded and a little bit overzealous and probably driving clicks more than anything, but it still gave me a, a, enough to pause. Watching Shane Wright's game, though, is like, it's like asking Steve Eisman today, this day, February 3rd, 2022, and say, hey, build out within reason the perfect prospect for the Red Wings right now. He'd pick a centerman who plays at 110% at all times, can get in the dirty area, will drive the slot, can shoot the puck, you know, finish from in close or shoot from distance, and actually has decent skating puck skills, but thinks the game better than anyone else. Because what is that? It's a number one center. And that's what I think Shane Wright can be. I'm not going to go out here making guarantees. That's something I'm going to do this year is not make guarantees. But Shane Wright is not without flaw. No, no NHL prospect is. He's kind of the archetype of exactly what, or he's sorry, the the typical prospect of exactly what the Red Wings need right now. No, like he is, and um, the like you were mentioning with Lafreniere, the fear with Shane Wright is that when the pace picks up, he won't pick up the pace and as we've seen with Lafreniere that seems to be the struggle and it's a reasonable concern with Shane Wright um could happen it's also worth pointing out that I forgot to mention he lost an entire year of development he did not play hockey for a year because he didn't go to Europe when the OHL shut down and he played what like five games in the U18s which he even missed a couple games in that tournament because he got sick in the middle of it like yeah Shane Wright did not play a lot of hockey for god it almost feels like what was it 15 16 months he played like five games and people were concerned about a slow start if he didn't have a slow start i'd be concerned that the robot uprising has started and he's going to be the leader so it's all within context and now that the season's progressed and he got half a season under his belt and now all of a sudden he's on a tear it doesn't feel like any of that should have been unexpected yeah so yeah it's I, I mean, a lot of people are concerned about Shane Wright. I'm not very. Um, my biggest concern with Shane Wright is how's he going to do downgrading an arena size next year? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't think Arizona. Be low pressure. I, the NHL should rig the draft lottery so he doesn't go to Arizona. For the first time ever, I want them to rig the draft lottery. Yeah, but you know who the next worst team is? Buffalo. Montreal. Oh, God, I, I'd rather him play in a, another junior rink. Than oh, you meant like next worst team actually right now in the NHL. Yeah. Yeah. I thought you meant. Like I think that. I think uh, it's Arizona, Montreal, the bottom two. At least Montreal, he wouldn't disappear into a black hole. Like 
how many people have not watched enough Connor McDavid because of the time of night he's on? I'm not saying Western Conference teams don't deserve to have good players. That's not it at all. But in terms of the NHL wanting to advertise their stars. Yeah. I mean, Lafreniere's in New York playing on the biggest, one of the biggest market teams. Yeah. Most, aren't they the most valuable team in the NHL? Probably. Yeah. So he's more in kin with that than McDavid in Edmonton. Yeah. Personally, as a Red Wings fan, whenever the Red Wings don't get the top prospect in a draft, I want him as far away from Detroit as possible. So you actually want him in the middle of the desert? Yes. Joke's would. on you. He'd play in Arizona and they can move to Quebec. <laughs> yeah. Divisional realignment. Columbus is going back to the West and we're moving the Coyotes right back into the. Yeah. yeah. So if you heard all this about Shane Wright and you don't want them to, and, and you want him to be a reality for the Red Wings, you have to hope they don't finish anywhere close to the playoffs to be able under the new lottery rules to be able to move up and get them. The the lottery odds have all changed and the amount of spots you can move up have all changed. So yeah, the Detroit Red Wings are one, two. The Red Wings are sitting twenty first of thirty two teams. So they technically okay, can't. that's not they're bad. not far off. How strong is the West? Because the Red Wings are ninth in the East. There's only one team, um, one team behind them with a better points percentage. Yeah, there's only one team behind it with the better points percentage. So if you go off points percentage, they're actually 22nd. So they're they're within range, but they'd be one of the lowest odd teams right now. They're teetering on the bubble of you can plausibly dream of getting Shane Wright. So they're in the top ten, hopefully. Hey, we'll see how the trade deadline changes things. Exactly. Yeah. Winnipeg is below Detroit. By but the by points percentage they're oh, higher. They, they just have, have fewer games played. Okay. So yeah. that's most likely going to change. Half of the bottom six teams are in our division, damn it. Well, that's what happens when half the division is at the top of the league. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> it tends very to very fair. It tends to separate. Uh any additional thoughts on Shane Wright as a player? Never mind uh the likelihood of the Red Wings getting him or not. I would say his floor is, is is exceptionally high, I think. You think so? I don't think he's ever going to blow the doors off at the NHL level, but I think he will be a for sure second-line player in the NHL. Do you, So you don't see him as a first-line center? Something – he would have to go on an absolute heater for the rest of the year for me to really feel that way. I'll have to see if Kingston plays either in Guelph or in Kitchener before the end of the year. Oh, you need like the within. I can go ISO cam. Yeah. If only there was a top prospects game that the CHL hosted and maybe one year we'll get lucky and it'll be in Kitchener and we can get yeah. like fifth row. Yeah, but it's different like when they're playing with guys who are like the cream of the crop. I want to see them on just a regular game day playing with their regular line mates in a regular game. No, I want to see Shane Wright against all the top prospects in the CHL because this will be a faster pace than a typical OHL game. So we'll give a good idea of where he's at in terms of pace of play. Evan Lobsinger, the truest uh, purveyor of the uh, the eye test. He needs the his eyes to be in the building. I do. Man, you are. That is perfect. That is the the antithesis of Brad. No, I'm kidding. I don't know why. I don't know why. But you're not like I'm a, the big analytics guy here, eh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shane Wright, center out of Kingston in the OHL. Um, not so much the definite first overall. This guy could be McDavid player that he was touted to be in the past, but still probably in our collective minds, the definite first overall pick this year, unless something drastic happens. Within range for the Red Wings will be remain to will remain to be seen. So for you tankers. Shane Wright is who you're rooting for. 
he has the opportunity to carry the torch of strong Detroit Red Wings second line centers who wear the number 51. Well, <laughs> 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 oh, 51 is going to be in the rafters. Before Valtteri Villa. Yeah. He was 51, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's going to go up and announce the pick. Fly- and, and Franz Nielsen. Let's not oh, God. put any disrespect on his name. Flag bear for uh, Finland in the Olympics. That's okay. I'm not watching the Olympics. Well, yeah, it's happening at four in the morning. Yeah, I found out the Olympics started last night as I was uh, flipping through the channels. I was falling asleep and stumbled across the Canada-Switzerland <laughs> game. And I'm like, what is this hockey? Is that? The- uh, oh, that's today. And then I saw Melody Dow basically get crushed and probably knocked out of the tournament. And then woke up to the news that Brianna Decker is also out of the tournament. So the Olympics are already canceled. I think they were a long time ago. Okay. Uh, the Chicago Blackhawks. and that's our take on the chicago blackhawks uh aside from interviewing peter shirelli for the (laughs) gm job which uh, from the bottom bottom of my heart i encourage you to do chicago please i know a lot has gone wrong for you but in my absolute objective opinion i think this is what's best for hockey fans is for peter shirelli to run the blackhawks and hey you know what don't even give him any help i don't want anyone else hired give him full autonomy over hockey ops do we get alex to bring it for nick letty or do we got to throw in a mid-round pick you absolutely have to throw in one danny de kaiser to make that work for the veteran presence in the room that's what you have to do or you promise a michael rasmussen you say hey Ninth overall pick, better than wherever Debrinket was drafted. Shirelli only does one for once. Rasmussen for Debrinket. Don't give away any more than you have to, Ryan. Heronic for Debrinket. You say that, but. I say that, but. <laughs> um, outside of making fun of Chicago for for doing the NHL requisite, you have to talk to Peter Shirelli. They love him. The NHL brass loves him, and they just keep injecting him into these conversations. And some poor fan base that already hates Gary Bettman is now going to hate him more because Gary Bettman's trying so damn hard to get Shirelli a job. Anyhow, other than all of that, Chicago had an event that was being watched live streamed on like Twitter, YouTube, etc. Was it a season ticket holder event or something? It was like it was, they called it a town hall, whatever the whatever that means. That means they just give you this an update on what's going on in the organization. Yeah. Yeah. And then you take questions from reporters. So, but you announce the town hall weeks in advance. So you have tons of time to prepare answers for any and all likely questions to be thrown at you. So in Rocky's defense, like, you know, a question like that, just out of left field. How this is you- similar to when, um, didn't Edmonton do something similar and then Shirelli or their or uh who was the head of their hockey ops? That time Nicholson? Yeah, he said they, they weren't winning because uh oh, who was Toby Reader had zero goals. <laughs> because to, to Tobias Reader had no goals. <laughs> Just threw him <laughs> under the bus. <laughs> Reader's standing there like what, <laughs> what why me? <laughs> uh anyhow, it was a press event and Mark Lazarus asked a question. Uh, which was followed up later by Phil Thompson of the Chicago Tribune. But Mark Lazarus asked a question, which I, I mean this when I say, like I'm not just saying this to make Rocky words look bad, but he asked a question that was a softball. It was a lob to the team for them to give a good cookie cutter press prepared answer. He was essentially asking, in light of everything that happened with the Kyle Beach situation, 
What changes have you made and what are you going to do moving forward to ensure it doesn't happen again? That's a simplification, but that that was a question in general. I think it was something about empowering players to come forward if a similar situation arose. It wasn't someone else about to answer the question. It was his son. It was was Danny Wirtz who the question was directed at. Yeah, it was his son who, and Danny Wirtz by all rights has been doing and saying the right things about this. Like He really wants to change the culture of the team and get them back to not just winning, but Bring it back to, like, well, first of all, a non-criminal, but a positive culture, like a work environment. And Rocky, the owner, blew his lid. Rocky Wirtz is, is Danny Wirtz's dad. Blew his lid at this question. Absolutely lost his damn mind. At one point, he said, it's not your business. If you worked for this company and you asked, I would tell you, but it's not your business. Why is it any of your business? And I actually yelled at my phone. I said, sir, you own an entertainment company. Whether you like it or not, you sell tickets for entertainment. People come to be entertained in your facilities by your your product, which is the NHL team. It is exactly their business. And he lost his mind. And Danny Wirtz tried... <laughs> <laughs> Try jumping in and saying, like, after after Rocky had already embarrassed himself, like, their already non-existent PR group is, they had rubbed holes through their temples by this point. Danny tried coming in and saying something, and his dad, Rocky, shut him down and said, no, 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 we're not engaging with this, essentially. Like, we, we don't have to tell you. Good for Mark Lazarus for standing up for himself and, and trying to follow up, and then good for Phil Thompson for following up as well. And Rocky Wirtz doubled, tripled, quadrupled down on his idiocy, and man... The world has been divided for a long time now, and near every issue that's hit hockey has has kind of brought into light that division. You can find a uh, but the other side for pretty much any argument that you think you're on the right side of. But seeing everybody from every corner of the hockey world galvanized around the fact that Chicago and Rocky Wirtz absolutely suck, it just really reaffirms how stupid he was to do what he did that day. You didn't have to, like, it is not really the reporter's business to know, but it's such a softball, it like, is. easy thing to answer that doesn't matter. Like, you can give the, like, the the easiest, most, like, out of the cookie cutter answer of all time. And then we're moving on to the next question. The answer would have been, like, any press release. It would have changed nothing or meant nothing. They didn't even have to mean it, but they could have answered it. But I'll, cont- I'll contest you what you said. You could have just said, yep. I think it is. It, that's a reporter's job to bring these things to light. I think I, he, like hockey fans, care about this, and Chicago season ticket holders, and you know ticket buyers, and people who come and buy jerseys and merch, and who have dedicated their time and money to this team. I think they deserve to know. I think it is their business, and I think people, I think reporters like like Lazarus and uh, um, Phil Thompson, there. That's the venue into it, right? That, that's the avenue to ask those questions. And again, it was a softball. Yeah, that's that's only my real point. Like, it's a privately owned entity. If they want to sh- drive their value into the f- ground, oh, that's you're that's saying- clearly what they they don't care if they do, and it's clearly just a toy. But I'm saying, like, legally, yeah, he doesn't have to. He doesn't have to do a damn. Thing. He could he could just pull out his pants, take a shit, which probably would have been better. <laughs> Are you sure that's not what he did? The I'm not. Would have been Jeez. Yeah, it was such it's such like an easy thing to be like we're we're taking these steps we're 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 bringing in this we're gonna bring in these groups to uh, you know make ensure that we've created an inclusive environment and blah 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 like it could have been is literally the easiest answer you could have given of all time I just made that up he, he could, as I was saying it he could have literally <laughs> you're said, hired 
He could have literally walked up and said, we, we have an open door policy. People can approach us at any time. We encourage it. And we've given every staffer our contact info if they need us. Next question. Yeah, (laughs) we've come up with seven different answers in five minutes. And none of them are good, but they're better than that. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. One of mine was taking a dump. (laughs) (laughs) Lazarus essentially asked him, hey, what are the vibes going to be moving forward? And they managed to mess up. fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) Like legitimately. And we're laughing, but it's it's messed up, man. Like what happened in, in Chicago is... One of the worst things to happen. Yeah, when you put con- the whole context to it, it's if, if it was like he didn't pay a guy because now he's got I don't know if, if it was anything else, it would have been like okay, but it was like the worst thing that's ever happened in hockey. Yeah, like this isn't hockey we're talking about. Like this is humanity. They f- ruined someone's life. Yeah, he this whole situation to just put an emphasis on the absurdity of it was a. Team got in real trouble because a really bad thing happened that at the time was not the team's fault, but then they covered it up. They didn't want to talk about it, thus making it the team's fault and everything problem. And his answer was, yeah, we're not talking about it. The thing My guy, this is what you got in trouble the for. Thing, the thing we didn't talk about, we're not going to talk about anymore. The, it, Rocky, is that answer not a little too on the nose for the situation? like i a lot of times we exaggerate things on the podcast and on social media and everybody does the same thing we'll say that was the worst goal any goalies ever let in that was the worst call in the history of officiating i mean this literally that might have been the worst answer in a hockey context or a hockey setting in the history of the nhl what was that uh, um, Miss Universe or Miss America oh, girl? Oh, they asked her something about yeah. world peace or yeah. something, and she She's went like, on about like, And the Iraq, and we're going to get books for the- uh, That was better than this answer. That was honestly better. She could have been Rocky Wirtz. How do we know that wasn't Rocky Wirtz? Because it was too good of an answer. <laughs> <laughs> I Look, man, if you ever need proof that a PR statement is just not- I'm a very big, um, I'm big on, I don't actually give a shit about apologies. Not that I'm wronged often, but if, if someone has done something genuinely wrong, I actually don't care about apologies because they just, they're meaningless to me. Yeah. You should go through the paces and recognize what you did wrong and say that, but what's this guy like outside of these incidences? So if he's not, if the actions aren't there, he's not sorry and there's what meaningful no, no, no. changes like, is, they're gonna is, is he known as being a, an asshole or like well uh, i mean before this so it, much better than his dad yeah that's the thing so his dad was arguably the worst owner in the nhl um when he was in charge nearly he, lost because Chicago he was there. like just a bad dude or bad dude bad owner horrible business decisions like there was oh, okay. very few redeeming qualities you couldn't watch chicago on tv so <laughs> I'm not kidding. No, no, that wasn't a joke. They, he literally refused to put <laughs> it on you local television. <laughs> Let's not forget the Hawks at one point, I think, had a lower attendance than the Phoenix Coyotes. They like, were known as the biggest laughing stock in professional sports yeah. at one point. So when he lost control and then eventually passed away, which not to make light of that, no matter who a person is, that always sucks. But Rocky and Danny, I think Danny came on later, but Rocky took over the team and all his bad policies like of his father, he's like, no. 
to hell with that. We're revamping this team. And it turned the Hawks around. They won all the cups. They were a perennial powerhouse. Their fandom skyrocketed. They were filling the barn. So he was viewed as like, hey, man, this is the guy who saved the Hawks. Okay. So uh, we didn't know so who he was. So we're repeating the cycle, really. <laughs> yeah. So we knew him from a business standpoint was making tremendous decisions for the Hawks and it was working really well. Um, now we know who he is as a person. <laughs> and it's not good. The shit apple doesn't fall far from the tr- shit tree, Ricky. <laughs> you know what? Oh, jeez. Yeah, you're the owner of the team. Yeah, it's your prerogative to drive the value into the ground. Yeah, you can technically do this, this, and that. But professional sports leagues have special rights and privileges to put owners in their place when they're doing stuff that acts to the detriment of the league. And this is what's happening. Gary Bettman needs to be on the phone yesterday with Rocky Wirtz telling him to shut the hell up. I think I did see that there's going uh, like this. Bettman is going to address this. Uh, whatever the hell that means. I have no idea, but in a, in a, in a messed up way, I'm almost glad it happened because it reaffirms what a lot of people suspected. Chicago's not interested or at least, you know, Rocky Wirtz isn't interested in making this thing better. Rocky Wirtz is interested in making this thing go away. And yeah. there's a difference there. Yeah. So this is is a little more complex than that because from all accounts, Danny has seemed to have been interested in actually making a change, making this better. If nothing else, he's been saying the right things this entire time. He hasn't been running away from it, hasn't been denying it, hasn't been trying to sweep it under the way. He goes, yeah, this is awful. We screwed up. And Danny's saying that, and Danny was not around at the time that it happened, but he's like, you know what? It happened. All we can do at this point is try to make things right. Um, So again, what he was actually doing behind the scenes, we'll never know. But he was saying the right things. And then details of the civil suit were coming out and the Blackhawks were trying to have it thrown out and basically taking a pretty bad stance on it at the time. But that was just legalese, so there was still that gray area of, okay, weird, but sure, from a legal standpoint, whatever, you do what you can. Still feel scummy as all hell, but whatever. They continued to say the right things, and then they eventually settled with Kyle Beach, so whether or not you agreed with their tactics, they eventually offered uh, Kyle something that he liked enough to cancel the civil suit and take their offer. Just settle, yeah. Okay, fair. So it's his prerogative. It was good enough. If it was good enough for Kyle, we have to accept Kyle's decision. So we'll take it as a positive. Okay, but we still had this huge gray area of do the Hawks actually care and are they actually doing the right things or was that sweep it under the rug money? Well, we don't have to wonder anymore. No, we no, have. Don't. We have clarity now, and unfortunately, it wasn't the answer we were hoping for. It was. It was always going to be about making it go away because the longer this is in the news, yeah, of course, the worse it is for the Hawks. But you know what? You lose all rights to say, hey, we're just a hockey team. Like, why are you holding us to the standard when the kind of horrific abuse that happened to Kyle Beach happens in your organization? And then the stuff that happened after as a result of your organization's actions or lack thereof, you are no longer in the space where you can say, hey, not my circus, right? That's that's it. Like you, this is now officially your issue to deal with. And like you said, Brad, you would have hoped. I wasn't hoping for for them to come out and be the shining example of a hockey organization because no one who does what they've done to this point is. 
I was hoping for the bare minimum. And I think we are a long, long, long way away from that. And the, not irony is not the right word, but the, the dumb part of this is we as a society, and I'll lump hockey fandom in as a society, we forget things very quickly. I haven't heard of Anders Kane's name in three days, and he got signed like last week. I don't remember the last time I seen a discourse on Twitter about the Kyle Beach incident. I don't remember the last time I saw anything about it on TV. For the most most part, it had left the hockey consciousness because it, when the settlement was over, we're like, okay, that's done. Even though it shouldn't have left our mind. Yeah, it shouldn't be. It is. It it. That's just the way society works. Bad things happen. There's some kind of resolution. Everybody's like, okay, we don't have to talk about that anymore. We don't have to think about it. His answer was so bad. It made us bring it back. (laughs) He, they had successfully made us forget about it by whatever that was, by settling, by not talking about it was. He Barbara Streisand himself. Yeah, exactly. It was yesterday's news. Yeah. As much as it shouldn't have been, and as much as it shouldn't be going forward, it's going to happen again. But for this window of time now, this dumbass brought it right back to the forefront and only worsened our opinion on how the Hawks are handling it. So from a PR standpoint, from a human dignity standpoint, from a common fucking sense standpoint, he could not have handled this any worse. Like Evan mentioned earlier, if he had come out with the most fluff prepared statement for whenever that question came up nobody would have outside of chicago would have even known a town hall had happened there would have been no news that anybody gave a shit about coming out of that instead it's the biggest story in hockey the past 48 hours just absolute insane levels of stupidity and just evil for a sport with such terrible interviews that was a bad time to give something candid (laughs) Yeah, you know who's really happy about that interview? Ken Holland, because we haven't talked about Andrew Kane. Jim Madison. <laughs> yeah, Jesus. Connor McDavid looks like Jimmy Kimmel compared to them. Yeah, holy shit. God. Let's move on to overtime. Not because I want to stop this conversation, but just for the sake of time here. Uh, overtime in this episode of the Winged Wheel Podcast is brought to you by our Patreon supporters. It's a midweek episode, so theirs are the questions that we will read out. Uh, Patreon.com slash Winged Wheel Podcast if you want to uh, help support the show um, and generally fuel the caffeine I need to edit episodes uh, after we're done. Um, question here from Who's Your Dad Enough, just because it's funny. Which of the Red Wings players, past or present, has or had the best beard? Beard. We're not terribly familiar with the beards of old. I'll, I'll admit. I'll take Mickey's mustache any day. Mick's mustache is good. I Hank's playoff beard is iconic. Yeah. Hank's properly trimmed, just perfection. Yeah. It didn't have that ridiculous factor that like a Joe Thornton's has, but it was just perfect. Underrated, year in, year out, Brendan Shanahan's playoff goatee. Oh, yeah. The yeah. playoff goatee was clutch. He could not get away with that today. Like, it's that like was, the evil Eric Cartman goatee. Yeah. yeah. You remember that? It was like, it, that's pure 90s. Like, you past 2002, you cannot have that beard. Uh, doesn't Dylan Larkin have a goatee? He does. No, he, no, he grew it out over here now. Okay, good for him. It's not great, but it's there. Larkin's like Brad. It's got the same kind of beard. Yeah, he's like, my goatee grows in really well out here. Not so much. It, Larkin just leaned into it more than I ever let it um like nick letty he's he's hardly been a red wing but was that your elbow did you hear that oh my god that sounded like a crushed 
pop can. Do you need a doctor? I might. Holy <laughs> shit. Uh, Nicoletti has to, like, I don't think there's a comb that can make it through his beard without either breaking or setting on fire. Um, all right. Connor Dukes says, how come I haven't ta- heard anyone talk about Larkin potentially hitting 50 goals? Basically, he just needs to have a better second half than the first players get hot all the time. I'm saying Bert hits 40 Larkin 52 and Ned gets one. It's not impossible. Larkin is within like a five goal pace of 50 goals. Just remember Larkin is on a heater right now. And their schedule is only going to get more difficult. I'm not saying, I am not saying Larkin's overperforming and he's going to, you know, crash down to earth or anything, but it is hard to bet on players in a second half turning it up even more after they are having a career year. Especially as the games are going to get more meaningless as the season progresses. It's going to be harder. Um, if, if Larkin and Bertuzzi hit their paces as they are right now, I think we can all be over the moon about that. That means oh, yeah. they've had a second better half than the first because maintaining that over a full season is hard. Especially yep. as this schedule gets... They had the easiest schedule in the NHL in the first half and the toughest in the second, statistically speaking. So... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Large, the prophet of the towering behemoth says, Greetings, rub-a-dub-dubs. How do we solve the left-hand D position for the next season? Do we bring back Stahl, Letty, another old guy? Potentially both Edvinson and Johansson would be considered NHL ready, but is it ideal to bring them both on at the same time? Neither of them will have any reason to be put in the AHL and both have proven themselves to be beyond SHL. Do you leave Edvinson in the SHL the extra year to get Johansson, who is older, into the team and acclimatized before you bring Smooth over? First thing we have to do going into next season about the left side of the D is throw need completely out of the window when talking about Edmondson and Johansson. Their play will dictate where they play next year, whether that's Detroit, Grand Rapids, or the SHL. I think the plan is, from what I've heard, they're both coming to North America. Mm-hmm. I think Johansson for sure. I can't. I might be getting that backwards. But either way, whatever is best for them and their development, where they're at, that's where they play. So even if if they both come over and have really poor training camps in preseason, they both go to Grand Rapids, even if you have no left-handed D signed. You just do that because their development's more important than next season. Um, that being said, if one of them or both of them come in and absolutely kick the doors down in training camp like Lucas Raymond did this year, then yeah, you put them on the Red Wings and that's one spot solved. Um, I think both of them have enough questions in their game that they are definitely not locks for the Red Wings next year. So the answer is going to be old guys. I don't know if it'll be Stahl, DeKaiser, Letty, Osterley's still signed for next year. I don't know who it's going to be, but that's going to be the path. Maybe they do take a swing on a Hampus Lindholm or someone similar hypothetically, and that's one spot solved. So maybe it's Lindholm, Osterley, Edvinson's your left side next year. I I don't know. There's it, It's weird that your three primary lefty are all pending UFAs. I don't remember the last time I seen this. So Eisman definitely has his work cut out for him. Um, Sam W says, could Gustav Lindstrom be more of a long-term second pair guy than a seventh defenseman uh, at the end of his projection with his IQ ability to defend solid puck play and a little bit of physicality to go with his being a scratch golfer. Um, Possible. I would not likely. I would say his real true spot is closer to like solid five. But I, I maintain what I said earlier. You could slot him up with the right partner in, in a situation of need to the second pair. He needs to add 
something dynamic to his game because I you could almost I could almost argue very legitimately right now that as of today, Lindstrom's playing better than Hronik. He's playing defense. <laughs> yeah. I would say you could almost argue Lindstrom's had a better season than Hronik, but Hronik has tools in his game, his shot and his puck moving ability that Lindstrom doesn't. Yeah. So with Hronik, you're going to get a lot more variance, but that good side of Hronik is definitively better than Lindstrom right now, but you do get more consistency with Lindstrom. So it's going to be that gray area. If Lindstrom even had one of those two traits to the level of Hronik, he's already leapfrogged him in the depth chart, but he doesn't. So he's got that uphill battle because he's a good player and he's a solid player. But to play in the top four in the NHL, you can't just be a guy. To play in the top four on a team that's contending, you can't just be a guy. There's a lot of people listening going, ah, and you're like, not the Red Wings. <laughs> uh, Bill Nye the Thigh Guy says, are we tanking or not tanking? I don't know how to feel. Just good old-fashioned bad. This is, yeah. It doesn't have to be tank or no tank. It's, you're trying your hardest to not suck, and sometimes, some nights you're doing it well, and some nights you're like, ah, yeah, well, we still suck. Yeah, this week is the perfect, shining example of that. The best defensive performance of the year, followed by one of the worst. Uh, and I'm Derek, says, outside of hockey, what sport or event are most of you each excited for at the Olympics? I'm a big, um, I love curling. <laughs> of course you say that. <laughs> Always down for a good bonspiel. A what? Get the fuck out of here. You like curling and you don't know the term bonspiel. It's a, in curling, it's a word for tournament. Jesus Christ, there's a lot of things I'm learning about both of you. <laughs> I like watching it at the I like watching it at the Olympics. Out of your poser. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I literally, <laughs> and I don't even like curling that much. I literally only watch it at the Olympics. Well, here we go. We can have a You're telling me you're not watching the Scotties right now? We can do the I mean, an- I'm not annual either. wingwheel podcast Bonspiel. <laughs> That'd be fun. Grab a I few would pops. You <laughs> joke. I would do it. I got to curl I do for enjoy one curling. week in grade nine gym class, and that was fun as shit. It is fun. Hey, there's the the granite club. We can go any day of the week. Yeah, it is. I, 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 that's a can. YouTube video right there. Hundred percent. Oh, we need a fourth. Hey. There you go. Wing wheel pod. Yeah, contest time. Let's go. Come up. Uh, come up. Hang out with the wing wheel pod. Winner gets to play with Evan. Loser gets to play with Ryan. <laughs> Probably fair. <laughs> Ryan will have one of those geriatric things that helps him push the rock. <laughs> they look heavy, man. <laughs> he basically turns it into shuffleboard on yeah. ice. I'm also, uh, I like speed skating. Yeah. We, we talked about this. The the legs on all of them are, is, are ridiculous. It, it looks, they it just looks like lactic acid developing. That's what that whole thing looks yeah. like. So, so for me to give an actual answer, if I'm getting up early enough, I'm a big snowboarding guy. Of watching the snowboarding events. A girl from uh, from Beaver Valley that is right. uh, competing in the Big Air. Not real. Yeah, no, not a real place. Yeah, that was that yeah, was. It is. It's a ski club just outside Collingwood. Mm. Beaver Valley. Huh? You're you're definitely not setting up a joke there. We're gonna wrap up this episode of the Winged Wheel Podcast. Valley. I don't know her. Does Cat know? No, I actually don't know her, but I follow oh, the ski resort on Instagram. And of course, you follow ski resorts on Instagram. Uh, it's the best. Oh, we need to go. We need to go. We need to go. 
thank you to everyone <laughs> to do it for tuning into this episode. Uh, thank you to the sponsor of the show, the FanDuel Sportsbook, and to our name level supporters on Patreon. Arjun Shanker, Eves Bartels on behalf of the Sarah Grand Foundation, Kyle Kragitz, Nick Perks, Brett Bailey, Terry, driver of the number 69, Crying Ryan, Hannah's Banana, Simon Jamathong, Taylor Tadgel, Matthew M. Rice, B. Diz, Carl Brutina Nanaluski, Chimmy, Citizen High Five, CJ Sully, Craig Kibble, Derek Enstam, DJ Denton, Give Blood, Fight Probert, Greech, Hana Lee, Hassam al Qasem, Jay Gollum, Jacob Turner, Justin and the Angry Mob, Kaylin Wood, King Tone, Kyle Hashman, Licking Windows for Fun, Matt McKay, R.A., Ryan Hubbard, Scott Martin, Stay Fresh Cheese Bags, Your Friendly Neighborhood Window Peeper, <laughs> Zach Spring, Alex Blackmore, Stop It, <laughs> Andrew Bohan, Sam Bankson, Adam I Wish I Could Finish Like Ernie, Antonio Gracias, Babe Landiscog, Ben Barron, Brad's dad moan, Connor Leighton, Dave W., Eaton Ass, Smoking Grass, Eric Sinkowski, Evan Spicy Rum Chata Boof, Evan's Bingo Card, James Laporte, Jeremiah Dobo, Jeremy Brocker, John Evans, Josh Yelton, Kevin McCracken, Quaz, Logan Stahl, Matt Keeler, Matt S., Max $1 million, Revy DeLuca, Terry Actual, Trevor Pevavar, Zach Handyside, and Zach McCann. A driving range superstar. Have a great bunch spiel, everyone. We'll see you on Sunday. Thanks for tuning in to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Be sure to check out wingedwheelpodcast.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll also find links to other ways to support the show, such as Patreon, official podcast apparel, and more. And don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at Winged Wheel Pod. And of course, the hosts at Brad Crisco, at Ryan Hanna WWP, and at Hockey Town Evan.